Well, hello all and welcome to Markham's latest podcast episode. I'm Louise Kirk, part of the Markham marketing team in Australia, and it's great to have you listening today. Continuing our Invisible Strength series, we're looking into the science of how concrete can resist attacks. With us virtually today is Martin Prestige, Sales and Marketing Manager of our Industry and Infrastructure Department. Martin joins us from the Markham headquarters in Napier, New Zealand. Martin, welcome aboard. Please introduce yourself to the audience. G'day, Louise. Thank you for having me along. Um, yeah, I'm Martin Prestige. Been with the company for oh, a bit over 10 years. Um, as Louise said, been working in the industry and infrastructure sector, um, civil projects, marine, mining, uh, pretty much anywhere we're trying to increase the service life of concrete, whether that's existing or new construction. Thanks. Oh, very good. Thanks, Martin. And working with Martin is Doug Hamlin, our research and development expert. Doug, tell the audience about yourself. Oh, you've, you've covered it fairly well there, Louise. But um, yeah, I'm Doug Hamlin, been with Markham for <clears throat> just over 10 years. And yeah, I work in a similar a field to Martin in the infrastructure industry side. I'm working with asset owners, um, so engineers and the like. Um, and yeah, I also do look after the research and development um, side of things, technical side of things here at Markham. So, Excellent. Thanks, Doug. Now, Doug, you've spent a lot of time considering the science of concrete deterioration. Can you give us an outline on your observations? Yeah, yeah, sure. As um, I'm sure everyone will appreciate listening to this um, podcast, that it is a it is a very uh, wide, far-reaching topic. Um, there's many different um, attack mechanisms, things like that. But I guess in the main, um, the premature deterioration of concrete structures is really the most expensive, um, you know, in, in terms of asset management of, um, of concrete structures and concrete assets. So um, that's that structures that, you know, have been designed and constructed with a, you know, a 50 or 100 year design life. Um, they're not. They're getting to you know maybe half that and starting to show signs of um, deterioration. And I guess so. That's that's kind of the the main main thing I've observed in terms of um, asset asset management. Um, in terms of damage or deterioration of the structures, there's there's, there's many many different ways concrete can break down. But there is always one common and key factor, and that's the fact that moisture um, moves can move through concrete. So that's really, really concrete's biggest flaw. Um, for all its good, all its benefits, um, it does let moisture move through. And this, this moisture by itself is not an issue. Um, but when it becomes an issue is, it, is when it carries um, contaminants through the concrete as well. So it um, carries things like um, chlorides, you know, sea salts, um, can carry carbonic acid from, you know, the carbon dioxide in the air um, into the concrete. Um, and it can, it can cause reactions, um, feed reactions inside the concrete. Um, and that, that's really when it, when it becomes an issue. So, you know, all, all these, um, we, I should say 90, 95% of the issues associated with concrete um, can all be tied back to the fact that it um, lets moisture um, migrate through it, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Um, right. when you say challenging environments, what situations do you mean? 
Um, yeah, so touched on the the chlorides, um, you know, like in a sea seawater or marine environment. Um, so that that would be the most common one. This is a um, you know, there's a lot of lot of concrete um, structures in that environment, um, and it's probably the one we're most familiar with. Um, but there's also also things where you've got um, you know, carbonation, for example, that basically affects every concrete structure um, that's built, and that's because the um, this carbon dioxide in the air mixes with moisture, however wherever that may come from, um, and it forms an acid and eats away at the concrete. Eventually, it gets to the the reinforcing steel um, causes corrosion. Um, there's also things like um, you take <coughs> effluent tanks or wastewater treatment plants um, where you've got, you know, acidic material in contact with the concrete um, and see the hydrogen sulfide and microbial uh, corrosion there. And then you're also looking at things like where you've got fertilizers and minerals sitting on the on concrete itself and um, you know, basically, concrete is a, is a high pH material, um, and there's a lot of things that are coming into contact with it that are lower pH, and that you know naturally wants to balance out, and it breaks breaks the concrete down. Um, yeah, so I guess putting that into practical projects, that's things like um, sewage, water treatment, um, fertilizer plants, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, Martin, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, thanks, Doug. Covered it pretty well. Um, yeah, so as far as, like you say, it's it's anywhere where there's a potential for uh, contaminants to become soluble and be carried inside the concrete. So pretty much the, the issue is the contaminants being able to ingress into the concrete. Um, so you've got uh, permeable concrete and then uh, moisture migration. And if the contaminants are soluble, um, they could get carried in, carried down to the depth of steel and accelerate the corrosion. So that's what you mean when we're talking about attacks on concrete? I guess the, the, the cost implications is the need, like you're saying, it's early deterioration. So it's the need for unplanned um, repairs, remediation, earlier in the design life than what would normally be expected. So we're seeing... Um, concrete coming under attack and the um, the durability isn't quite there to handle it and they're having to expend money to, to help resist these attacks earlier than you'd normally expect in an asset owner's maintenance cycle. Um, and then you've got the, the other issue with unplanned repairs um, is the disruption. So you've got to take your, your asset offline, whether that's traffic, um, downtime on, his, on a wastewater treatment plant, that sort of thing. Thanks, Martin. Um, tell us about what treatments you would recommend. Yeah, thanks, Louise. So we um, recommend treating with a hydrogel, um, a claudial silica hydrogel treatment, whether that's um, retro-treating to an existing structure or including it as an admixture or surface applied during construction. Um, this deeply penetrates and mobilizes the moisture. So we're speaking about the way the contaminants have been carried into the concrete through moisture. You can stop that moisture transmission inside the concrete, any moisture moving in or out. Um, you've cut off the pathways for the contaminants. Um, 
you, sl- you slow the oxygen rate down, you remove the moisture and you remove the soluble contaminants. So those three things in itself will decelerate the corrosion um, considerably. The hydrogels are uh, highly reactive, claudial silica, and it gets in and um, reacts with the calcium hydroxides and the porosity of concrete. It just forms a, a gel inside the concrete that completely blocks those capillaries and, and, and messes up with those transmission lines, really, for the contaminants to get in. Well, it sounds a very simple approach. Just immobilise the moisture. Is that all, all there is to it? Yeah, Doug would have some comments on this, but um, that is the best way of protecting a structure. 100%. And it, like you say, that, that is a, that's all there is to it. Well, yes, yeah, it is. It's a, um, that is a simple principle. Um, but, you know, immobilising that moisture has many um, practical benefits. So... Um, just going back to the, the chloral silica hydrogels for a minute there. Um, so if we're just looking at when they're applied to an existing structure for the minute, um, they, these treatments are a nil um, VOC, so they don't have any um, volatile organic compounds or solvents, if you like, in the product. So you know when you're applying them, um, it means a lot less PPE um, requirements for, the, for our app installers. Um, you know, applying it over waterways and that type of thing. There's much less need for catch and contain. Um, and the other thing is when, when they're applied to concrete, it's a case of getting back to the bare and concrete surface, so removing any um, previous coatings, dirt, dust, grime, that type of thing. Um, generally, a, a high-pressure water blast is enough. Um, and then they're spray applied in a number of um, wet-on-wet coats, um, so it's not waiting for, you know, a... 24 hours between coats. Um, so what that ends up meaning for, for, the, for you and for the um, structure for the asset is that there's a real minimal um, amount of downtime required to, um, to treat the structure. And, um, you know, obviously all these structures are there for a reason. Generally, it's because um, they're making money for, the, for you as the, the client or as the asset manager. Um, but, but yeah, getting, getting back to the... It, it is it is really that simple that um, moisture migration through concrete. If we can stop that, we stop um, you know most of the, the problems associated there. Um, and we we'd always always recommend having a structure assessed as early on as possible in its life. So that's things like um, you know maybe getting some chloride readings or assessing the permeability of the concrete because there is there is a lot of things that happen to concrete. That you don't see until you know until it's too late. So there's things like um, the corrosion process on the steel starts um, a long time, um, or can be you know manifesting itself a long time before it shows any signs on the surface of the concrete. But at the same time, you can actually monitor the levels of the, the chlorides and get an indication of where that that process is up to. And so that's that's really why we we strongly recommend having those assessments conducted um, as early on as possible in a structure's life. Um, you know, to give you a, a, a clear picture or a clear picture of where your um, where your structure's sitting and what you you know what you might need to do in terms of um, proactive maintenance or reactive maintenance if it's you know too far down down the track. 
Oh, that's excellent advice. Well, thank you so much, Martin and Doug, for joining us today. And to all our listeners, we welcome any questions or feedback you have on today's topic, or even if you have a specific project you'd like to talk about. If you want to find out more, please go to our website, www.markhamglobal.com. We do our best to respond to all inquiries within a day. We are also happy to take suggestions for topics in the future. What are your concrete pain points in the field? How can we help to educate the industry? Thank you so much for listening and don't miss our next episodes.